What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro Dude. And before we get into our conversation with Trey Kirby about the Chicago Bulls, I would like to talk to you about our partner, Underdog Fantasy, the best and newest place to play fantasy sports and win big prizes. Now, recently, I've been doing a lot of You Know Ball private drafts on Underdog. They're the only place to offer nightly draft contests for the NBA. So what we do is we compete against each other in a classic six-player snake draft. And whoever scores the most points walks away with the money at the end of the night. And today, if you use my promo code SLOP, that's S-L-O-P, on Underdog, on their app or on their website, you will get a $100 deposit match bonus. It will support me. It will support the show. I would really appreciate if you were able to do that so we can keep this partnership going. And on top of that, if you're not into the fantasy draft contest every single night, they also offer their Pick'em, which you can do with NBA player stats. You can go higher or lower on those. And they also offer NFL. So on Sundays and Thursdays, if you're feeling spicy, you can go and you can also choose on higher or lower on players, stats, running backs, wide receivers. I did a fantasy draft on Thanksgiving, since there was no NBA stuff on, I walked away with some money at the end of the day. We had a lot of fun doing it, drafting against each other. And also right now, they're also offering higher or lower on World Cup. So if you're into soccer as well, football, whatever you want to call it, if you're into that, you can also play on that. So today, $100 deposit match bonus with the promo code SLOP. Use Underdog today. I would really, really appreciate it. Thanks. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro Dude, and today I am very excited to have on from No Dunks a fan of the slop himself and a Bulls optimist, Trey Kirby. What's going on, Trey? Hey, Al, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's been pure positivity mindset since 2021. <laughs> you know, 2020, a brutal year for everybody in all facets of life. So come in 2021, the Bulls were struggling. I said, we got to turn things around. I can't be so sad about my favorite team in all of sports. Spending so much time with this team. I can't be mad at them all the time. (laughs) Maybe, maybe if we turn it to the positives, things will turn around. They did finish over 500 calendar year 2021. Huge accomplishment for Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, you know, 2022 definitely tested the pure positivity mindset a little bit, but... (laughs) Still, uh, still feeling on the up and up, you know? Yeah. I mean, you guys are probably the weirdest team in the NBA, I would say, because Sam actually had a great analogy for this. Sam, obviously, the mm-hmm. uh, when we thought of this idea, it was when I saw your clip uh, like a week and a half ago when you were basically like, as the positivity guy, the optimist Bulls fan. You were like, I don't know, like we have our pick is top four protected, like maybe it's a generational draft, things aren't really going the way that I thought, maybe we could shift this thing in a different direction and kind of do a reset, see what's out there for trades and stuff like that. And Sam, you had a good analogy for this, or not mm-hmm. an analogy, I'm sorry, just kind of like a, where the Bulls are well, at right now. Well, because I feel like, because I've kind of gone back and forth on the Bulls, right? I feel like coming into the season, the book on the Bulls was, they overperformed last year, like, this is going to be a season of pain, you know, Alonzo is injured, there is some other things, there's going to be a coming back down to earth. And it always, they always have been sort of this sort of Damocles team since they got to Rosen, where any success is sort of minimized and any like, you know, and it's like, Oh, you're going to pay for it later. You know, you sent out Wendell Carter, you owe these picks, you know, like 
you know, and it's, and it's for a team that doesn't really have a ceiling. And I think it's interesting to see Bulls fans kind of be in that space because I, as I actually like dug into the numbers, like in preparation for this and like looked at some of the on off stuff and like, you know, where they're at, the Bulls are actually, there's a lot of really positive signs, I think, for the Bulls, which is very, it's strange to say, but like, I think that there's no reason they can't be in the mix of that, that smush in the middle of the East of, you know, the, the, the Sixers, the Cavs and everyone, but it's, it's just contingent on people being healthy. Um, and, and I'm wondering what, like, as someone who's, you know, inside the house, Trey, sort of seeing seeing the Bulls night in, night out. Do you feel that optimism, or, or do you are, are are you kind of being tied down a little bit more by by some of the future and some of the negative, which I think is coming from outside the Bulls fan base, but maybe not necessarily from the best intentions, you know. I don't know that I would say optimism is the feeling <laughs> around the Bulls right now, uh, but I also don't think like straight up hardcore tanking pessimism is the thing because mm-hmm. when people suggest a tank, every Bulls fan is like, we just did that for four years. We just tried that for four years and our highest draft pick ended up being Patrick Williams at mm-hmm. the number four pick. And there's a lot of guys you would have rather had with Patrick Williams over the course of the four years from the Jimmy Butler trade to the Bulls last season, Bulls had the fewest wins in the entire NBA followed by the Knicks. The complaint from Bulls fans there is that the Bulls didn't tank hard enough, which fair enough. That's probably true. But they were winning 22 games in a season. Like, that's a pretty Mm -hmm. serious tank. It's just that other teams were winning 15 and 17 games in a season. You can only be as bad as you can possibly be. So for me, I do think that uh, the thing that's hard to figure out with the Bulls is that they're a team in the middle. And ever since who somebody invented the phrase, treadmill or uh yeah treadmill of mediocrity treadmill of yeah. mediocrity ever since mm-hmm. that came about everybody's like well but you can't you can't be on there you you absolutely can't be on there something's got to mm-hmm. be on there the bulls have been on there for one lap yeah. one mm-hmm. overachieving right. season lap that ended pretty sad no doubt about it like had a spark when you started now you're just garbage it was terrible the last third of the season for the bulls last year they got blown off the court in the playoffs. So people know that there isn't a very high ceiling now, but I look at this team and I see a 500 team. They might win 43 games. They might win 38 games, but they're basically a 500 team. We'll see if DeRozan can make some clutch shots like he did last year. I also look at like the future and while they don't have a lot of young prospects, they have traded a couple of picks. I think it's a little overblown how poorly they're set up going forward. Like you look at next year's. It's not draft. the Lakers. It's, it's not, not the it, Lakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not the Lakers. Like next year, as of right now, uh, if the season ended today, they would lose their pick to the Magic, the number nine pick. That sucks, but it's not losing the number two pick. It's not losing the number one mm-hmm. pick. Also, yeah. they would be getting the Portland Trailblazers pick, currently 19th. So you're moving down 10 spots, and people are saying this is the worst thing in the world. I don't see it that way. I like having a team that's competitive, that actually has a chance to win some games, can have some highlights, isn't the laughing stock of the league, and maybe they can figure out a way to retool rather than full-on rebuild. Well, and and that's that's kind of what I was getting at with, with this the Bulls being this sort of Damocles team because you – while you also have that, there's also the Bulls can go in and win against anyone. You can tell me the Bulls beat anyone in the league, and it's really not that weird. They beat the Celtics twice, and the Celtics and, are like and, you and know, the Bucks and, and like, like like yeah, they. It's could, pretty they, funny. Last year the Bulls 
beat up on the worst teams in the league, could not Mm -hmm. beat the best teams in the league. Everybody's like, that doesn't matter. Obviously, you're a fraudulent team. Guess what? Mm -hmm. Turned out they were a fraudulent team. This year, (laughs) they're only beating good teams, losing to bad teams, and they're like, you got no ceiling. What? (laughs) (laughs) You got to either go 82-0 and or 0-82, and and that's the thing. There's middle ground here. The Bulls are Mm -hmm. stuck in the middle ground right now, but sometimes you got to be stuck in the middle ground and hope that, like, you can get a meeting with a free agent. Like sure. to me, it's embarrassing that the Bulls couldn't even get a courtesy meet and greet with Anthony Davis when he became a free agent. Mm-hmm. That dude's a Chicago guy. Everybody knew he was going to go back to the Lakers, but it'd be nice mm-hmm. if he could stop by and give the hometown team a little bit of a glow up. But at that point in time, no chance. They were the biggest joke in the league. Now they're able to get a DeRozan meeting. They're able to sign him. They're able to sign Lonzo Ball just because they're looking like a competent organization going the right way. Yeah, that's true. And also, I, I do just want to call back. First off, I do agree that, I mean, we, we all kind of had the same thought about the Bulls last year, which is we'll see in the playoffs, all of the players, we hadn't seen Zach in the playoffs yet. DeMar, we knew he had a bad history of underperforming in the playoffs. Vooch, just defensively, you're always going to have concerns about a guy like Vooch, uh, you know, deeper into the playoffs. You guys also ran into the best player in the world in the first round, which is, and also... Uh, the probably the best series? team in the league last year. Yeah, like, honestly, I, yeah. probably the best team in the league last year. Middle, Middleton was still right. healthy. Well, it, it was honestly, like what I would love to go back and listen to some vintage archive podcasts from after Game Two of that series. The Bulls mm-hmm. had shockingly won. Yes, in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. they competed had an after Game One. Game Middleton mm-hmm. went down with an injury. People were like, "Oh, I know this might sound crazy, but could the Bulls pull an upset?" 100%. They got blown out by 30 yeah. in the very yeah. next game at home. It was obviously not true, but there were some bad takes flying around at that time, and I was loving it. Yeah, no, I I know personally that I had going into that series, I thought that it was the easiest sweep of any matchup because the Bulls had the their Bucks injury issues. Thought so. The <laughs> Bucks certainly <laughs> thought so. They they lost to get that matchup to avoid yeah. the Nets. And, <laughs> yes. Which, but but I think that's what. But, but oh, sorry, you were saying something. Charles. No, I was just going to say, I do remember the first two games of that series being weirdly competitive. And then the Bucks just kind of, oh, right, we have Giannis. We have the best player in the world. We're the Bucks. Like, let's, you know, get our shit together, basically. But I do just want to say that one of, when this team was built, even if I had my questions about them in the playoffs, I really like them as a regular season team when everyone was healthy, like Sam was saying. When you had two point of attack defenders like Alex Caruso, and Lonzo Ball, the team made a lot more sense because those guys are viable offensive players who are just going to be incredible on the defensive end and cover up for a lot of the mistakes that you're getting from DeMar and Vooch and those kind of guys. Things obviously have gone a little bit off the rails recently due to not only the Lonzo injury, which like it really fucking sucks. And we talk about it all the time. Like mm-hmm. he was one of our favorite young players in the league. I, we thought he was going to end up being one of these like Danny Green level elite role players for years. Like that's really what we saw Alonzo when he signed with Chicago. And the the thing the thing you brought up that was interesting to me was like this idea of like a reset, basically. So like not blowing it fully up, but like I don't know, maybe keeping your team pretty competitive, still maybe making it to that play in range. I forgot you guys had the Blazers lottery protected first, which makes things a little bit easier when you're losing your own pick that you actually have another pick that is coming a few picks later it's not quite as gloom and doom as it is made out to be but if you look at the two teams that did this last year it was the Pacers and the Blazers and they 
have turned things around. And I even laughed at the Blazers. I was like, what are you doing? Robert Covington, Norman Powell, you're basically getting nothing back. You're, you're, you're sending, you're getting, and I like Josh Hart, but like, that's all you got for CJ McCollum. Like I didn't understand the vision that the Blazers had, but the Bulls could kind of reposition themselves and put themselves into a position where maybe they still continue to compete this year, but they get, they, they maybe get rid of a few guys that might not fit long-term around the idea of what they want to have. So my question to you is like, what would you consider the core of this team? And like, who would you be willing to like, I guess, not move off of if you were to do some sort of reset? Well, I guess, I mean, I guess Zach and DeMar are the core to me. But I'm also not as tied to them as I would have been after last season. Uh, You know, Levine has come out of the gate pretty slow recovering from injury him going down and having to play through a hurt knee last year was a huge impact as well like he mm-hmm. you know he was putting up Devin Booker numbers through the first half of the season he was incredible and, yeah and then after that it was like he just lost the burst to the rim and it was kind of settling for a lot of outside jumpers which is Levine at his worst even if he is a good shooter he needs to be able to get to the rim he's a driver uh so that fell apart but I don't know I don't think there are a lot of biters or a lot of interest in Levine right now having signed a 215 million dollar deal and then coming out and looking like he's coming through a knee injury it's been 20 games though so maybe as time goes on maybe by next season he's looking more attractive to other teams because I think that's a young enough player with a lot of talent that could still have interest around the league DeRozan is an interesting case because I do feel he's a little bit like a Julius Randle type of character where he had one incredible season where the shot making was just at another level that it Mike, takes Michael Jordan 2.0. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> the guy was knocking Wilt Chamberlain off of all-time record list as a guard. He was doing it with all pump picks. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's not a surprise that even if he's having a good season this year, if he's not hitting 80% in the clutch, the Bulls look worse. DeRozan's numbers look worse. But his deal is up after the end of next season. So there will be interest in him as well, I think, as a go-to ISO scorer. The guy's a bucket, absolutely. Can play make as well, though we don't see that quite enough with the Bulls. But everybody else I don't think is locked in. Vucevic, his contract comes uh, to a close at the end of this season. If sure. anybody has any interest in him, fine by me. See you later. See what we can get for him. Patrick Williams was a guy I was willing to throw in a deal for Jeremy Grant at the trade deadline last season would, would have be been pretty a smart nice move to do. <laughs> <laughs> would have been nice to have Jeremy Grant there. That solves a lot of problems for the Bulls, especially now that he's shooting 40% from three. Uh, Kobe White, if there's any takers, sure. I don't think there's anybody outside of Zach and DeMar that are building blocks. I love Io DeSumo. He's a great player. I love Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. Great player. But they're great players who help with the team. They're not guys that necessarily need to be there uh, for the long term. So that's that ties in to like one question I wanted to ask you as someone who watches the Bulls because I, I I don't catch a lot of Bulls games except when they're destroying my beautiful Celtics. Um, so I think they're the greatest team in the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> Some might like, oh no, this is actually the '96 Bulls. That this we're is the greatest team I've ever. I do think it's hilarious that uh, I think the Bulls went one in 14 against the the top four in the Eastern Conference last year. And the one win was against the Celtics. And it was like a crazy comeback win that spurred the Celtics on for the second half of the season. They were like, 
come on, guys. We got to yeah. turn this thing around and release it to the Bulls like this. <laughs> the real look in the mirror moment. Yeah, <laughs> I can't keep doing this, man. It's the central crisis. We got to win some games here. Um, but I, it, I was kind of like – I, I sort of one of my things like when we have team specific guests on is I go through lineup data and I sort of look at things and see if anything pops out to me like um, just that's interesting and I'm glad you brought up Io because I'm a huge fan I, I love I think he's Io. really good yeah I think he's really good a great young player and this is something I'm always hammering on the pod is you know you can find these good young players and scrap heap guys as you go along and if you have a team that's good enough you can buoy yourself to the next level just by finding guys like Javante Green, that it was just a throw-in in the, you know, trade that where Daniel Tice comes back, you know, everyone's like, oh, Tice is going to be, you know, the main package. No, Javante Green's having a great season for the Bulls. I'm interested because I, you know, I saw that, you know, the starters are, are losing their, their minutes pretty convincingly. But it, what was interesting to me is when I dug into that a little bit more, I saw that Caruso is like number one on the team in like plus minus by like a ton. Like he's like plus 88 on the season or something like that. He's not starting. And I'm like, okay, well, that's just a matter of the, um, you know, he's not with the starters. But then I dug into it a little deeper and like played for some of the layout data. It, there's like a, a staggering number. Like I think they're like literally doubling up opponents in like 300 minutes, which is not that much, but it's, it's quite a bit. When you swap in Caruso on the court, and Desumu and Williams off, which I think is like very interesting considering that I would think, you know, I would think somebody like Vooch or somebody who is more of like a stereotypical, um, you know, uh, empty stats guy, even DeRozan, you know, back in the, you know, for, or Zach even, all of those guys have had that charge levied against them. I thought it was really interesting that it's kind of come back to Desumu and Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams a little less, but it didn't really pass my eye test. So I wonder if you have any like thoughts on that. It's just as far as like maybe Caruso playing with the starters is like a fix um, for them in the interim, or do you think that they should, the Donovan should sort of stick to this, you know, to sumo Patrick Williams as like the fourth and fifth guys for, to go along with the other, the bulls big three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, it doesn't seem to be a perfect answer to this because <laughs> Io to me is a little bit overtaxed as the starter. Mm -hmm. Like he just the playmaking isn't quite up to snuff as a starter. He's shooting like thirty two percent from three, and you need mm -hmm. shooting from the point guard position uh, on a Bulls team where like outside of Levine, Vucevic is the best shooter out there. Patrick Williams, mm -hmm. he'll make one of his two if he takes them that night. Um, so Io, the fact that he's not playmaking, the fact that he's not shooting can be a problem for them in, in the half court offense. You run into that problem a little bit with Caruso as well, since uh, mm -hmm. he's not necessarily a playmaker, knockdown shooter, though he's turned it on a little bit, but he really is the Draymond of that team. He plays a lot of minutes. I feel like when he's playing alongside the other best athletes on the team, mm -hmm. oftentimes Levine, Drummond, uh, Javante Green, certainly. And that's the way the Bulls honestly can form a decent defense. And the only way they really can is by forcing turnovers and by getting active in the passing lanes. Io's great mm -hmm. at it, and Crusoe is obviously the best at it. He just brings a different energy to the team. Uh, he's started at times in the past. It's kind of a similar situation to Io, where he's mm -hmm. just maybe a little overtaxed as the starter. Goran Dragic is another guy I would be interested to see get a start mm -hmm. just because he's a shooter as well. He's been pretty good off the bench, but I don't know. Their bench has been solid so far. 
They're just mm-hmm. obviously missing a starting point guard who knocks down threes and pushes the pace. He was is... just such a good fit. Like exactly. It, yeah. but it was crazy. Also, like also like the number four option uh in your starting lineup shouldn't be that big of an impact. Yeah, you he know? Should, they shouldn't, it shouldn't lose totally crash it all team. falls apart that yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. Sure. But you can see the vision and at the start of last season, in certain games this season, when the Bulls are first forcing turnovers and moving the ball and hitting an outside shot, they actually look decent. Well, this front office, I first off, didn't love the Vooch trade when it happened. I think that it's aged poorly quicker than I expected. I think that when it was made, I understood the thought process behind it. Exactly what you said, trying to get DeMar in, trying to get guys to make this team competitive, convince Zach to stay around because Zach was really the last guy that you had left. That was this piece from the Jimmy Butler trade. And, you know, he was making all-star teams and, and all of that. Between the injuries and also the fact that like, Wendell Carter just became really good and Franz Wagner happened to be, might end up being, if not the best player from that draft, certainly like a top three player from that draft, which is pretty crazy. Like I, I I liked Franz as a role player coming out of college, but I never envisioned that, which is why I think that trade kind of aged pretty poorly. But like the, the thing that this front office really seems to get is that thing you talked about with putting athletes around these guys, where like, if you look at their recent draft history, you know, not all of it is is perfect. You know, Io is obviously a, a great pick for where he went. Um, Patrick Williams has not panned out yet. He's still young. He's still 21. Uh, but it, it, it definitely seems like they have the idea of the right pieces to put around this core. But I guess the whole thing is like, is it worth it to, to put all of your resources into this now that you have sustained these injuries? And one thought I had, and I know that this has been brought up, I think you might have even brought it up in the clip that you guys had posted on social, which was if the Lakers did call and they were just like, hey, we like, we, we, you know, because the, the rumor has been Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Obviously, we all want to throw up from having to talk about this for four months now. It's become, it's basically well, become. The- I want more of it. I, I want to keep <laughs> talking about it, actually. I'm, uh, I want more Miles Turner, uh, more Buddy Hill. You know, they're definitely going to want it more uh, after last night. I, I feel like the Lakers got to see firsthand the uh, the devastating power of Buddy Hill and Miles Turner. <laughs> I did think it was a nice twist to the saga, though, when Miles Turner himself was like, yeah, they should definitely trade for me. And that was awesome. Man. That was cool. You never hear a player chime in on their own trade rumors. <laughs> <laughs> in a way it was it was a part of slop history we've never seen a player on another team say yeah you should trade for me like yeah. how good i would be on your team <laughs> you could me and anthony davis and lebron kick it out like i i actually if i were to make it i'm kind of in the position that like i know the lakers have played a little bit better recently but i'm not falling for that like i would just oh really you don't think they're, they're i don't think they're being the spurs they're, they're yeah. being the spurs twice. other than the spurs <laughs> <laughs> oh, the team that the team that their own coach said hey i wouldn't bet on us to win the finals the greatest maybe the greatest coach of all time going on there uh but but I, personally if i were the lakers i would just sit on this and see what i can get towards the trade deadline maybe maybe make moves on the margins and try to make the plan. I'm definitely not giving up my 27 and 29 pick for this team until I see Anthony Davis and LeBron James healthy for a month straight. Like I'm just not, I'm not doing it. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me, but I do think that that's something that they are going to consider. And it looks like 
I don't know if it's leverage or if this is really what they want to do, which is that they are asking around the league and they're seeing what they can get either for one of these picks or two of these picks. So what if they called the Bulls and they said, I might be going on a, on something that I heard and I can't say if this is true or not, but if they, if they called and they said, we, we, we not only want Vooch who you said, you're like, I'm fine moving on from Vooch. He doesn't really make sense with the team anyway. Uh, if they wanted Vooch, Demar, and Caruso for for Russ, Russell Westbrook and those two picks, would you be open to that, or would you say that's that's a bridge too far? I'm not hanging up the phone. Okay. At the very least, I'm not hanging up the phone because I mean, Vooch, Caruso, and Demar—that sounds like a lot. It is. Mm-hmm. Like we just talked about how good Caruso is, and we know now. how good Demar is. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, like I think that. I don't know. I, uh, that doesn't seem – that seems like two, the Bulls are giving up a little bit too much. Sure. I would want to keep Caruso probably to make it fair. Uh, I'm just doing anything to get Vooch out of here at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> So, but, so uh, you would be like, know, how did Kobe White like, interest you? An expiring Kobe sure, White? Sure, yeah, Kobe White. <laughs> toss him in. Kobe White would be great next to LeBron. LeBron would Does, be, honestly would be great for Kobe White. It'd be a uh, – It'd be the J.R. Smith era of his career. <laughs> <laughs> he loves those guys. Exactly. He's like, oh, you're going to shoot it every time you touch it? I love that. <laughs> I, I uh, If you guys – well, if you want to hold on to um, Caruso, just send me as the negotiator. I'll remind the Lakers how expensive his contract is. And they will quickly lose interest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, or yeah. you could just go to them and be like, look, we have Alex Caruso, but we have this other young player, Kobe White, just like you wanted to pay Taylor Horton Tucker instead of Alex mm. Caruso, he could Kobe White could be anything. He could even be Alex Caruso. I speaking of Kobe White and the development and, and drafting and all that stuff. Obviously, we talked about Wendell Carter for a second. Uh, Laurie Marketing is another guy who's having a little bit of a breakout year with the Jazz. Totally out of left field. We were actually just talking about this last night on the stream and Parm who was co-hosting the stream with me was talking about how he watched Eurobasket and he was basically saying that I, he's assuming that the jazz watched Lori and Eurobasket and they were like, Oh, we should just do what they do with Lori market. And he looks like a superstar when, when he is in the perfect situation where, you know, I don't know how much of this is real, how much of this is just kind of context and the role that he's currently in, but from a bull's perspective, Obviously, it never really worked out with Laurie. You know, he flashed early. We saw some of these things when he was young. But, like, I, I can't even lie. I was not a Laurie Markkinen guy. Every time that we played the Bulls or the Cavs when he was on them, I was like, I just don't know what you do with a four who can't play defense. I just was not in on this dude. But now that he's having a little bit of a breakout, obviously we brought up Wendell Carter, who sh- who went healthy, had sh- which was another unfortunate thing for him in Chicago when healthy has shined a little bit with the magic as like a really good young center with the Patrick Williams thing, because I've also never really seen it with Patrick Williams, but do you, are you concerned with kind of what I'm concerned with, with the Sixers, which is that like, we never invest in the development of our young players. We kind of just go, Hey, you figure it out. And the self starters are the ones who can kind of figure it out. But guys that really need like, the perfect role for them or the perfect context for them never really figure it out on the bulls. Are you worried about that? Or do you think that this is just kind of like a individual basis with these guys and they kind of found the perfect fits for their, their teams that they're currently on? 
Oh, no, super, super worried about it because Markkanen balling right now. Wendell yeah. Carter Jr. balling right now. Even Luke Cornette is balling right now. That's Let's a bridge go. too far. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's what, Honestly, it's ridiculous that Luke Cornette is like running up and down the court, catching alley-oops. He's throwing strong <laughs> slips. The star you know, guy's hitting threes like – the, the Celtics barely missed Robert Williams because of Luke Cornette. That's an insult. <laughs> That's an insult to the Chicago Bulls. That's also an insult to Sam's favorite player. That's crazy uh, to me. But uh, I, but I that I do think it's a concern. It's like you look at all of these guys, and they're all wings or or something like a big guy, uh, a big guy with a little bit of stretch to him, and all they end up doing on the Bulls is pick and pop or go stand in the corner. Those sure. are the only ideas they have for their big guy to score. And it's exactly what's happened to Vucevic as well. And to me, that puts a little bit uh, of questions in my mind about how Billy Donovan is using these guys. Because to me, when I look at the Bulls and when I look at Billy Donovan's tenure in the NBA, he's an incredible coach if you're a guard because you get to do whatever you want if you're a guard. Russell Westbrook's coach, when he won MVP, it was Billy Donovan. Russell Westbrook had the highest usage rate of all time. (laughs) He's like... Billy Donovan tells his guards, you go out there, you get buckets, and you pass. If you see a big guy and there's nobody around him, feel free. But but you don't have to force it, you know. <laughs> Just get it up on the rim if you can. It's crazy to me. It seems like the only plan is let's see if our guards can make something happen. Well, the good news uh, so, is that you guys just extended him for four years today. A little secret. No, not, not today. Not today. <laughs> over the summer. Wait, over the what? Summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, you missed they extended that. him over the summer. Didn't tell anybody until today. Are you serious? I, that's I'm always gonna... a good. That's always a good sign. Why? Why would you not tell anybody? Little secret. Little secret for you. Secret, Billy. I'm gonna try that. Try that with my girlfriend, babe. Why have you not posted me on Instagram? It's, it's just a little secret. I'm keeping. You know, like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll soft launch in November. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. Well, um, it got caught in somebody's like uh, Outlook Express uh, outbox. Like, that didn't send yet. Shams <laughs> ah, <laughs> is like people must go. Oh. Why is this dated August? <laughs> <laughs> is this real? Do you mean to send this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got lost. I got lost. It would be got really funny. To... Around. <laughs> It'd be really funny if Billy was just like. So I signed that, right? Like nobody's <laughs> talking about it. Like, it's Why like, don't you want to go public with me? Are you embarrassed yeah. of me? <laughs> Writing like, to confirm. You got yeah. the contract? Document signed in August. <laughs> it just turns into like a curb or side belt thing where he's like, so that extension, right? Yeah, he's just trying to get everyone to like admit that he is signed the extension. <laughs> right, you know? It happens. Say it, AK. Say it. Say the words. Yeah, yeah, it works. <laughs> um let me well here so let me kind of one of my roles on here trey is um contrarian um everybody (laughs) loves a contrarian everybody loves a guy yes devil's advocate yeah so let me make a contrarian case for the bulls and tell me how much you buy it so where i start and end with the bulls because i'm vehemently against teams blowing up I feel like it doesn't work that often. You tear something down. If you're a team that wins games, even treadmill of mediocrity games, I think that there is a lot of value in having a team, having a core, and building guys within this. I think that what we're talking about with guys not developing can be a byproduct of a 
situation in flux when you're not winning games, you know, the guys don't have a role. Guys don't have anything that they are working on. Sorry. That's cat in the corner. Um, But so with the bulls in this instance, they clearly had a plan and they have been quietly one of the most injured teams in the NBA over that thing. Like you have Zach missing games, as we alluded to, the thing that makes all of this go just in terms from a fit perspective is Lonzo Ball, who is just gone, but will be returning soon. Um, and you have had some of these guys on the fringes pop, and some of these signings have seemed to have worked out a little bit. Goran Dragic, juvenated. Goran Dragic, I'm not even going to say rejuvenated, because this is a continual juvenation coming off of his Miami stint. You have Javante Green. You have all of this stuff. Is there a chance nope, that... Hold on, hold on. You left out... Uh, Sixers fan favorite Andre Drummond. I just need to there throw we go. There we go. I told I told every Bulls fan I know. I was like, you just got the best backup center in the NBA. I don't know if he's done that for them this year, but I can tell you when he for thirty six minutes, career high. Are you kidding me? He's one of the best rebounders ever. Doing his best Big rebounding beef? ever. Hey, Come he's on, beef, he's near beef, and you know he's coming off the bench. So, so prorated beef. So let's say, <laughs> let's say the Bulls are healthy come playoff time, like. We haven't seen that. Like what? What they they won that game, like you alluded to at the beginning. They played the Bucks tough. I mean, Chris Middleton got hurt, and then Giannis you know, turned it on. But I really, I, I like, I honestly sort of believe this. this is the great thing about being devil's advocate. I can talk myself into it. I really think the Bulls yeah, have more like of a chance in a first round matchup than a lot of people are are giving them credit for, especially if they end up not playing the Celtics or the Bucks. That was um, actually going to be my last question: was Ooh. what team? Do you think they could compete with if everyone gets healthy if everything writes the ship let's just say they don't make any major moves let's just say this is the core they get to the play in they win that seven eight seed obviously you have the bucks and the celtics at the top right now but who's there is there a team that you could see them stealing two games from is my point because i think that that could make it a little bit worth it we're like hey look we're still showing progress we're getting to the playoffs we still have these young guys, you know, we can reconvene in the summer, all that, but kind of going off Sam's point, like who would be that, that team? And like, do, do you buy Sam's pitch? Uh, man, <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy how this worked out because now I have to like devil's advocate myself. I'm so <laughs> thinking of reasons why the bulls are supposed to be good. Yeah. Seven <laughs> dimensional chess. Here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild stuff. Um, Twisted. Uh, I think only Miami um, amongst contenders. And I'm throwing mm-hmm. Miami in the contenders mix because they were the one seed last year. Almost mm-hmm. went to the finals. But, sure. you know, for whatever reason, the Bulls are competitive against the Celtics in the regular season. I don't necessarily think that would be the case come playoff time. I think perhaps the Celtics look at the Bulls on the schedule and say, oh, we got this one. <laughs> Not these Bulls. Uh, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think the Bulls would have a chance in the actual playoffs uh Giannis no chance you know the Bulls did beat the Bucks in Milwaukee last year for the first time since 2017 got the first regular season win in Milwaukee since 2017 this year so maybe they could knock them off no chance uh <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers Joel Embiid has never lost to the Chicago As, Bulls there you go Bulls kid yeah so I don't Ball think that's what's gonna happen yeah uh and finally the Heat I just think they can be so stinky in the half court Sure, and the Bulls can be so explosive offensively that they could perhaps outscore them. It just comes down to the fact that if you've got a really big guy on the inside, or you can score a lot on the inside, you're probably going to beat Chicago. I think that's fair. 
Uh, Sam, if you have any other questions for Trey. I have one last before we let Trey uh, get out of here. Um, so, Trey, we have our hogs um, here at, you know, Ball, our slot piggies that are, you know, sort of are very rude to me um, as a new co-host because I'm a Celtics fan. So um, back from your guys' days as starters, I was a huge starters fan back in the day. You had a disciplined tweet of the week army. You had, uh, you know, Dr. Gorilla Farts. Uh, Big Ragadaga, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wooblio Balls. How can we curate that sort of discipline in our hogs? Because right now our ranks are running wild, and I need anything I can to sort of get them in sort of the formation that Lee had them, your guys in. And I'm just, I'm so jealous, and I'm just, I'm, I'm all out of ideas here. You got to start assigning ranks. First and foremost, you need a captain. <laughs> you need a slop captain. You absolutely need one because as soon as one person uh, is put on that piggy pedestal, (laughs) the rest of those hoggers will just fall right in line. All right. I hope the Patriot Hogs are hearing this. If you want to try out for captain, we will be holding tryouts. (laughs) Um, So love this idea. We need need to get, we need to get the sickos more involved is is the answer here. But in all seriousness, we really appreciate you coming by, Trey. I'm actually a huge fan. I was trying to play it cool the whole time, but (laughs) I'm just going to say that I watch Starters every day as a a young lad, so I really appreciate you making the time for us. Uh, Thanks, y'all, for having me. I love listening. I love listening. Thanks. I appreciate it, Trey. We really appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully next time we talk, uh, your Bulls are in a little bit better of a situation. Or hopefully they're slopping it up, honestly. Like, or you could be a trade target team here. Let's I'd go. be down to hop on, uh, you know, the beginning of February, something like that. December 15th coming up uh, in no time. That's the real ringing of the dinner bell for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Peace, bud. Thank you. All right. Thanks, thank y'all. Oh, All right. I didn't want to get Trey assassinated, but the Bulls will be defeating the Toronto Raptors in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always put our I always put our guests' safety first and foremost. I was not going to call down. Thank call, you. Call, call Thank down you. the forces of Gehenna on him. I appreciate I will that. Say it right now, I will say it right yeah. now. Bulls defeating well, the Raptors in the play-in. So. And and we especially have to worry about him because he co-hosts a podcast with a Raptors fan. So Right, exactly. So, Task uh, yeah. t- could organize that. Actually, two. Skeets is a Raptors fan, oh, too. Skeets and Raptors. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, boy. So, prayers up for Trey up if for they Trey, ever yeah. hear this. So Yeah. All right. We're, we're um, doing our best to protect him. Okay. So we now are moving on to just my – I'm just going to give my brief thoughts on the Sixers real quick. Mm-hmm. I have my name is Shake Milton for MVP. Love the way the team's been playing recently. I really don't have it. You said 10 and 6 when Harden went What's down. Right? And I believe I said uh, 8 and 9 was in mm-hmm. the – or 8 and eight. I can't remember. It was 7 and 9. That was it. Mm-hmm. And so far since then, they are 8 and 3 in those games. So – you all they have to do is do is go two and three in these next few games, and the optimist Sixers fan on the podcast, number one Sixers fan, yeah. <laughs> the contrarian himself. Oh yeah, and, and, and don't worry about it. Baby. And don't worry about it. I'm sure Doc will figure out how to fit all the pieces when when all the, <laughs> the, the, the jigsaw mastermind Doc Rivers will figure out the 
whatever. It's been fun. Yeah. It, it is really funny because you always talk about the, the stuff that we just talked about, like giving yeah. fans something to look forward to. And mm-hmm. I've had more fun watching the Sixers with no expectations for mm-hmm. a week than I have in like probably since we first got Jimmy Butler. Like that's yeah. how much fun it can be when there are these games without any expectations when you're just looking for wins like we talked about where like shake Milton has a revitalization D'Anthony Melton looks amazing Tobias Harris is actually looking like a, a good NBA player again so all positive vibes for the Sixers right now I can't really I, this pod really thrives when I'm super negative on the Sixers so I'll just leave it at things are great watch the streams with us we're going on playback mm-hmm. we're doing it me and Parm are doing them once a week I did one for the Hawks last night Next week, I'll be doing the Lakers. The week after, I'll be doing the Warriors. So let's get it. Well, and I think, you know, I, I, I hope that you guys get more Hawk streams because I think a lot of the, the piggies are tuning in to see if you will Bud Dwyer, if you will have a Bud Dwyer <laughs> on, on stream. There's <laughs> another Hawks thing. So just to let everyone know, I you know, I hate to kind of, you know, sort of make this, take the fun out of it, but I have taken all of Trill's firearms away from him, so that will not be happening. Because I was concerned about some of the things he said on the podcast last time, so we we, we have taken all necessary precautions. Do not worry. Thank you. For my co-host, uh, I will never let harm come to him. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, no, that, that was definitely a concern. If you watch the stream, the first stream... <laughs> They played the Hawks and I was throwing up all over myself. We looked like <laughs> shit. I was in, I was deep in dog shit. I was having existential <laughs> crisis mode. Uh, last night was fantastic. Although if you watch the stream down until the last shot with Trey Young, where he was going basically the full court, I was like hyperventilating, but they pulled off the win. That's all that matters. And beads back uh, teams looking great. So we're doing well. We're getting over our PTSD from the Hawks series, and we are we're, we're moving on. So, let's talk a little bit about the the one piece of slop that has dropped this week, which is uh, former Celtic Kemba Walker signing with the Dallas Mavericks yesterday. Hey, shit, uh, McNurse. <laughs> He's beating your curse, you demon. That's right, Nick Nurse, personally responsible for the end of Kemba Walker's career up until Don't forget this point. It. Yeah. He, he will not see heaven. Nick Nurse is a demon. He's one of the 77. I, I, he's either Belial, uh, Azariel, uh, Beelzebub. I don't know which of them he is, but he is a demon. <laughs> what else would you call a man that has the 30th ranked half-court defense? Offense. Offense, sorry. That's a man who hates his fans and they would die for him. Something demonic is going on there. It's, it, it is. There's definitely some some weird shit like i i i think that and look we 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 say this we we love and we respect zach Mm -hmm. but the man needs help the Mm -hmm. man is making podcasts in november talking about the raptors being the so what was the title of it? It was like the sleeping giant of the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Oh, God, he's so shameless, man. They must have like one of his kids, right? Like, <laughs> at, at like a, an undisclosed location. Like, like he's watching one of his children grow up with like a, a photo with today's newspaper every day is how that's happening. Nick Nurse is on the phone. He's like, yeah, do the bit about the Croatian soccer team and Canada and, and them, you know, in you the World it. Cup. You love juniors. That's why you love going to Toronto. You make that trip every year, don't you, Zach? Remember. Remember. I have Scotty Tim Barnes is a 10-time all-star. 10-time <laughs> all-star. Scotty Barnes. 
It's it's for certain. It's for you certain. Would, you wouldn't trade him for Kevin Durant. You would not. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it at all. I wouldn't do it, folks. <laughs> that that's that's that. This is how sad bad Nets fans are down. My one friend who was so indoctrinated by that that I was trying to talk him through the Portland th- deal we talked about. Sure. Last week, and he said, "No, nah, I'd rather have Scotty Barnes." And I'm like, "Really? <laughs> Very interesting." Not Scotty Barnes. Well, and you know what, Carrie, you know Carrie Trent Jr. and the you know the Raptors picks, and I'm like, well, the, like, the Blazers picks are going to be better. They're going to be old. Like I don't like, like the Blazers picks will be better, and you're getting a shot on two prospects, like Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. Whatever. Like I, I right, don't know. I'm not a Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. guy. Uh, Anthony Simons and Sharp, at least both, have potential to be like all stars. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, are we guaranteed? Like. I don't know. Go look up Thad Young's per 36 numbers from his first two seasons and compare them to Scotty Barnes. Let's just, mm-hmm. let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so but, uh, um, J- Jonathan just said in um, chat that Zach looks a little bit like bizarro Trudeau. I would argue that Trudeau looks like a bizarro Zach. So. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. that's where I'm going to leave that joke. You're trying to get me in trouble and I'm going, I'm going to, we're going to move on and talk yeah. about uh, the Toronto Raptors. Exactly. Zach, <clears throat> Zach would never do brown face. No. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yes, I I mm-hmm. also like the Portland package better than yes, exactly. but let, let let's let's talk a little bit about Kemba because mm-hmm. before the season, the t- it's funny we had Trey on because I had the Bulls as my number one disaster rankings team due to the circumstances that we talked about, all the injuries, the little bit of a hot year last year, the regression, mm-hmm. plus the fact that you have. They don't have their own pick. Well, the Mavericks are in kind of a similar situation. They just happen to have one of the best players in the world. So they go out and they sign Kemba. Do you think this is going to matter at all? Is my question. (laughs) Not remotely. No, 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 not remotely. I mean, they, they fucked their team up there. They they cheaped that the Jalen Brunson thing. You know, I don't like Jalen or like, don't like his trouble. I think Jalen Brunson is a totally fine player. You know, I think it was a bit rich, the contract he got, whatever, not the end of the world. But it was very clear to me that, like, you know, they – but they needed him. Still, they just don't team. have talent. You know sure. what I'm saying? Like, there's just no fucking talent. Like, Maxi Kleba is, what, uh, uh, undrafted? Like – Yeah, I mean, most of their team – I mean, most of their team are undrafted and second-round guys, which yeah. it's, it's not to say that they – that's not a ba- uh, not necessarily a bad thing because they're all NBA players. They they don't draft well, is what you're but saying. But the thing is, it is, it is a bad thing because you don't have any like starter talent. You just have guys who, when they become starters, it's like that's amazing, good job. You know, <laughs> like like Dorian Finney-Smith, awesome. You know, that's wonderful. You know what I'm saying? And everyone else on the on the like team is a is a fucking mistake like spencer dinwiddie or, or tim hardaway jr i don't mean like an existential mistake i mean like from a contract perspective sure. obviously right but like <clears throat> like I, I, but that's the thing is like where they've spent themselves into this quarter that made a bad bet on porzingis and then sold too soon on it sure. that's that's kind of what to get into what we were talking about with trey i don't really think the bulls should get off of the team they have right now see it through like because this is what happens when you try to immediately like tinker with it and fix things as you make shit worse like you know who they could probably use right now is chris Tapp's porzingis the washington version the healthy version like well he wasn't healthy for them is an important the, so why trade him because <laughs> he could yeah. never he was never available also didn't get yeah. along with luca 
And they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I mean, we, we do have to... Like, look, I know you can say it's a fraud Western Conference Finals and the yes. Suns collapsed and all that Correct. stuff. And it, it's, ve- it's very similar to the Hawks one, to be honest. Right. It's ve- yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's... I would kill for the Sixers to get to a Conference Finals. We talk about, like, just wanting to compete. Like, I would die to get there. But I also understand that I don't... Our team doesn't have the best young player since gonna... LeBron James. <laughs> I'm also going to say that um, I, I do not think you should inform your decision-making based on what distressed Sixers fans want. <laughs> that, it's not a good way to do business. Let me just put it that way. Congrats. <laughs> you got to the conference finals and then yes. immediately you were horrible. Right. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think, like, look, they're trying to plug holes. I think the spirit of it is the only way that they can get better is taking wings sure. on guys. I just don't. I love Kemba. Um, average Celtic, but a really good guy. Um, and I would like it to work out for him. He's not um, an average Celtic. He made the All Star team. He made the All Star team. That's yeah, something. Yeah, I did. He was. It, it was a little fugazi, but I, I mean, I in my mind. But I did really like Kemba as a guy. You know, uh, the, he was playing on one leg. He's the reason we lost the conference finals. <laughs> But it wasn't his fault. It was the demon Nick Nurse did that to him by playing him in the All-Star game like 40, whatever. Well, it really was like 38 minutes. It was insane for an All-Star game. <laughs> Played injured Thib, guy 38 Thib, minutes. Thib Bulls, but in the All-Star yeah. game. Um, but anyway, long story short, but I, I just, I think they should be using that on guys like Sam Hauser or like, or guys, or Tabak Struces or young guys who can pop. Not trying to capture lightning in a bottle with guys who have been in the league and have been shown to not really be able to play anymore. I think they should be trying to find their own undrafted guys with that end of the roster turn. You're, you're, you're going to get higher outcomes than you are trying to, you know, go back to guys like Kemba who are, you know, I think a little cooked, like, but then you know, nothing wrong with that. He had a great career, but it just is what it is. So that is true. The, the yeah. hope for this is that he can have what what Derrick Rose had with the Knicks a few years ago, where oh, yeah. you or the when he went to Detroit. Like he can have yeah. a little bit of a resurgence. He can be a regular season guy that comes off the bench that maybe does half of what you had Jalen Brunson do before you let him walk and free. Well, didn't let him walk. He just left in free agency, but. I, I guess my thing with the Mets, it does it uh, to me. It's a low risk, uh, medium reward move where I think that it could be fine. You find a, a bench guard that can maybe sustain some offense when Luca goes to the bench. I think that it might be somewhat workable. I don't really think he's playable with Luca, so I don't think you're going to see him necessarily in the playoffs. But I also think that he can still be a spot up shooter he can create in not he's not a primary anymore but he can be maybe a little bit of a secondary guy and uh you just hope that he doesn't absolutely die on defense which was his problem last year and with the celtics after the knee injury and uh you kind of go from there but it does reek of desperation a little bit well so and i guess my my answer to that question would be like with spencer dinwiddie on the roster are you really hurting for those minutes to get filled not necessarily, but I've watched enough Mavs games this year to go, they need something. Because 
I want, and I personally, if it were up to me, and because I would look at it like, look, we're not winning the finals this year. Like, I'm not gonna, unless there's some fucking, unless we trade for Anthony Davis in the next month, which by the way isn't fucking happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless we do something like that, and I actually thought that they were the number one Anthony Davis team that made sense to me, but unless there's something like that before the trade deadline, we're done. We're not yeah. getting, like, we're probably not even gonna get out of the first round. And if we do, it's because Luca absolutely dragged us again. Yeah. So I would look at it like I would probably just be like, maybe Jaden Hardy isn't ready, but fuck it. We drafted him in the second round. Yeah. I thought he was a first round prospect. He's been sure. doing well in the G League. Maybe we can see what we can get out of this guy. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Internal development. Like, look, you the, the one guy you didn't give up on, Josh Green, is actually like pretty good. Pretty good. Like, you know what yep. I'm saying? Like, you just do that. They, they just don't. They just have no patience. That they're yeah. a franchise who is defined by a lack of patience. Um, and the, I think the that Porzingis just, trade was that. Yep. <clears throat> and I think that's what's hurting them. And I think that's why Luka Doncic is going to be a dick in four years. So. Oh God! Please don't give Nick fans You you are going to be so happy when you get to post this on TikTok in uh, the years. United uh, the United States of China's uh, internet here <laughs> in four years. <laughs> President G, we welcome you. We just ask that you leave our TikTok access. We need that to grow the podcast. We will be a state-owned podcast. I think we need to start positioning ourselves now to be the state's primary podcast. We're, we're head-to-head with Dunked On. Um, I don't think Zach will give us much trouble, but we are going to need to defeat Dunked On. So True. We need yeah. to start. We just start kissing ass and like you know well, making favors right now. So. Well, we gee, if you're watching, mm-hmm. Nate has said bad things about you on his That's podcast. True. And we've never said anything bad right. about China on on you know, ball. No, so you're, yes. the, the the glorious you know your your glorious rail plan, um, Chairman G is that it's 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 amazing. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. really great. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we respect you, know, you. We, we respect you. But the Mavericks suck. Um, so I yes, think they're a garbage franchise, <laughs> and uh, they. They've done a very bad job. Treat women poorly. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They hired a crypto guy (laughs) to run their front office and piss Luca off for two years. Try try to trade Jalen Brunson for Matisse Thibel, which in retrospect, at least they would have got something. But yeah, that's true. Who knows? Matisse might be the number one guy. That's the only thing I've gotten wrong about my Sixers resurgence. I said Matisse would would be the one. He actually played his best game of the season last night. So there okay, go. there he we played, go. Re- he played really well last night. So he's let's go, Matisse. Yeah. So if you. if you are watching this Dallas Mavericks, mm-hmm. Matisse Thibel is not available for trade unless you blow us away with an offer. So yeah, like Dorian Finney-Smith for Matisse is, is what, I've, what I've heard the, the offer is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they throw in a first, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> my my Thibel for Reggie Bullock trade is looking like a real lose lose for both teams right now. So. He's been horrible. Better situation. Is he a movement shooter? I don't watch a lot of Reggie Bullock. Can he more of a more of a standstill yeah. guy? I mean, yeah. he's Danny. He's Danny Green, <laughs> basically, yeah. but not old Danny Green, not young Danny Green. Yeah. But so well, Danny. and you guys have defense. you guys have Ferk, so you don't need yeah. a movement shooter anyway. We have a no. superstar. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We have Steph right. Curry mixed with Luka Doncic. Right. Um. So last thing I want to say, and Hugo brought up this point when after that horrible loss that the Mavericks had, and I'm fine with the Kemba signing. I really don't love mm-hmm. the process because I would prefer to try to maybe develop a guy or find, find someone around, find a Dennis Smith jr. Even a guy mm-hmm. that they, they, they drafted uh, who is now playing mm-hmm. real minutes for the Charlotte Hornets. 
do something like that. I would probably prefer that. But at the same time, I think Kemba will be whatever. He'll probably be able to play spot minutes for them. He might help some of the ball handling and shooting issues. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hugo basically saw the end of that Raptors game when they, when they were just completely trapping Luca, Mm -hmm. uh, he was able to, you know, get it out and they were, they were doing four on threes and his teammates. And that was kind of the idea behind trading for Ben Simmons, even when. Oh God, that just sounds like the grossest game. I'm trying to like picture that. In it my was mind. so bad. Yeah. That, oh, it was the worst game. It, and yeah. also the Raptors without Pascal Siakam. So yeah. They didn't even Ugh. have someone who can create really Ugh. like it was like OG Ananobi post-ups versus Nick Nurse trying to physically destroy Luka Doncic with traps and it was really bad and so he you know basically when he was getting trapped they didn't have anyone who could take advantage of those four on three situations and this is another example of like if they literally just got DeAnthony Melton instead of Christian Wood and like I think Christian Wood has a lot of offensive talent but like they need to start thinking about guys who fit kind of similar to how the team worked last year when the threes were falling, mm-hmm. where, like, they're defensive guys who can survive offensively because Luke is such this, like, singular offensive talent that can lift up all the talent around him uh, that I think that they need to start looking for those kind of guys, the Bruce Browns, the DeAnthony yeah. Meltons, the guys who are, like, able to, like, capably do, uh, attack a four-on-three uh, playmake yeah. out of the short roll, shoot, mm-hmm. and also defend. Like, those are the kind of guys that they should be going after, not Kemba like, like really that's like i know it's it's a low risk move he's a veterans minimum guy if it doesn't work out yeah. he just that you can trade him but like it, it's still like i don't know I, I i think that they should be trying to develop and find guys who are more like that that fit better with luca yeah well and just you you can and you know what better yet you could develop those guys you they're just unsigned guys the league is so deep right now like crazy there are guys in the g league who can play in the league tomorrow you know, and I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Like we cut Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey, who have had good NBA games this year, and right. like they're twenty-one and twenty-two, like or twenty-three, yeah. like like they're playable. Like like there mm-hmm. are guys you can find that are, and maybe if you luck into that, then you can get a guy who is with you for the long term instead of right. you know find a Bruce Brown. Like the Nets found Bruce Brown from Detroit. Like yeah. I, I I I definitely I don't like like signing Javale McGee and trading for Christian Wood. I I just can you. Can you imagine the team the Miami Heat would have if they had drafted um, oh my God. Luka Doncic? If, if, like, you just swapped the Heat and the Mavericks front offices, how different, the, 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 like, that would be right now? They would have won the title by now, I feel like. Luka plus like rat mode is a title, yeah. 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 Well, I, I more just mean, like, the way that they, like, just find guys. You know what I'm sure. saying? They understand, you know, you're in a, you're in a market with no state tax. Go after signings, leverage guys. Yeah, sure. you know, leverage the, the the picks. Do what you need to do there. You know, they, uh, I hate them with the passion of a thousand suns, but they really do understand how to build around stars, which Absolutely. is the important thing. And I just the Mavericks have like fucked it up so beautifully. You know, I think this the conference finals is purely a result of Luca's greatness, and it has nothing to do with anything the team, <laughs> which is. Insane. Like, I honestly believe that. Like, yeah. that you could have just NBA 2K sim, like, the, the, the front office part, and it would have been probably a better, a better result <laughs> than, than what has happened with the Mavericks after drafting Luka Dodgers. So. I, do, I don't disagree. Uh, I just can't believe the balls on them to call him out for, like, 
being like fat and coming into camp and it's like okay you know what you get to do that when you give him any teammate and you don't tell his only good teammate yeah we don't uh we think you love it here we think you love it so much they did the donald trump negotiating tactics you, you, you love us you love us don't you jalen you don't you, you, they have your dad but you know what we have uh, we have we have finance building jeff got killed here he's a loser couldn't beat the cia Wife had to hold his head together. What a chump. Hello? Hello? Tim McMahon? Yeah, Luke and Huntress is drinking sweet tea by the gallon. <laughs> Mark Stein was very, na- very nasty to me. Said, said he broke the story. Sorry, loser. Four hours later, I'm the one breaking it. <laughs> Trump fighting with Mark Stein tells me it's like, well, I saw Tell Luca he's gonna get diabetes. Luca looked disgusting at a hookah bar, nipples protruding. <laughs> oh god! All right. Anyway, so, yeah, Miami Heat even do fat shaming better. So it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, 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 it's a good point. No. Yeah, they keep it internal with their fat shaming. They don't right. go. They don't leak to the. The, yeah. the press. Just another way the Miami Heat have defeated the Dallas Mavericks. I hate the Miami Heat. Uh, they're an evil franchise, but God, they have shown up to Dallas Mavericks time and time again. You gotta, you gotta give them credit. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So let's get into your your little rant here that you want your your little uh, propaganda well, that will be probably tuned out by half of the people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> so. Okay. So, so to we forgot to ask Trey. I wanted to ask Trey this question, but it's probably for the best if we want to continue to have a good guest. Yeah. So <laughs> let's say, so you have Steph Curry's case, right? For MVP. You have Jason Tatum's case. Okay. Sure. All of the numbers say Steph, Ta- uh, Steph Curry is having a better season than Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum has better teammates and all of this other irrelevant bullshit to the MVP case. You know, they're trying to steal your focus. Okay. What I want to remind you of is what the real heart of the MVP case is, okay? Is it best player on a best team? Is it the guy who does the most for his team? It's the most important. Um, is it the guy the team would be the worst off if you removed him from the team and put a replacement level player in? No. No, that is not true. The MVP conversation is defined by how would five of this player cloned playing five of another player cloned work out? And who would be the best at it? Okay. Uh, also, Giannis isn't allowed to participate in this. Again. I was going to say, hold on. Actually, good question. Yeah. I actually think if you put all the players, Tatum might be the best guy in that conversation just because of I, the shooting. Giannis, Giannis has the. I, yeah. I Giannis has that because well, this is the argument I was going to make about Curry versus Tatum is that like you know you do you do need to build your team even if it is. Not very much, and even if he's still very much the one driving the boat and defining the greatness, you still do need to account for Steph Curry on your team in some way. You do need to have a Draymond Green or someone who is capable of, you know, sort of accounting for his defense in a little bit. I know everyone says Steph Curry's a good defender. He is not that good. He is better. He's turned himself into a good steals guy. He understands a lot of the things. He's a very heady defender. He's not a very good defender. Jason Tatum is totally irrelevant to any of those conversations. You just you put Jason Tatum on your team, and no matter what, he's going to make your team better. End of story. Like that is there's no nothing else needs to be taken into account there. So let me ask you this then. Yeah. Who's the better all-time player, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant? 
Um, so, because <laughs> I honestly, you know what? I, I honestly, I honestly think Kevin Durant is a better player than Steph Curry, but he does have. It's the weirdo legacy thing, though, because that, that's never no one is ever going to make that argument, though, because Steph Curry did it, quote unquote, the right way. Right. And Kevin Durant is telling fans his things to settle down. Don't watch the team. He's, he's <laughs> telling he's telling Brooklyn Nets cast to, to pop a bean and chill out. <laughs> yeah, he said touch grass to his fans, basically, which is amazing. Um, no, I mean, I don't know, like because. It's so hard with Steph Curry because, you know, on the one hand, Steph Curry also, like, you know, dropping the bit momentarily. He did drive the, like, the the greatest team of all time. You know what I'm saying? The problem with Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant was also on the greatest team of all time, you know? And then we're just, we end up rehashing that debate again, you know, like, of what is, what defines it, you know, and what all that stuff is. I do think, I do think that's a lot closer than people say. I think Steph has been so deified. You can't really have a rational argument about that, especially because someone like Durant has been sort of dragged, you know, they're opposite sides of the reputational standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Steph being unimpeachable and Durant being like, oh, he tied to the wagon to Kyrie, left OKC. He went and ruined my beautiful league for three years going to the Warriors, you know, like, so, Even but though I, Steph, I, Steph did benefit from that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah that's what I, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think that argument is a lot closer than people. I think Steph will probably end up in most conversations being higher than Durant. I, I think, think Steph is higher. Like, I I have I Steph top ten. Good. I have Durant yeah. like fifteen range, whatever. But yeah. So, yeah. but back to your back to your MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. I guess I feel like, and this is the thing, and and this is this has nothing to do with Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with Jason Tatum. Because I actually like if I were to sit down and look at the stats, and you know, also keep in mind, people will say it's a regular season award. It is, but then when Giannis doesn't win the finals, he doesn't get the award. He's not in the consideration for the award because he lost in the finals. And maybe Jason Tatum's experiencing a little bit of this because we saw his worst playoff series at the highest stage last year. Right. And Steph Curry was Steph Curry. He was maybe his best playoff series we've ever seen and he's also statistically better and carrying in a way that he hasn't done in so long Mm -hmm. that i understand the argument but i do think and this and and look maybe i would pick steph maybe i would pick tatum i definitely think they're one and two right now if you were to sit down and have Mm -hmm. that that discussion but my my whole thing is at a certain point mvp became less about and maybe this is just me being a little bit of a bitter sixers fan but at a certain point, MVP became less about who's the best player on the best team, and mm-hmm. it became more about who does the most carrying. Because yes. that's what we saw with Jokic last year. Yes. And he was amazing statistically, and advanced we, stats dominated, and the on-offs we, were crazy. We've made like, this joke. We made this yeah. joke about that the, the Nuggets, once their guys got hurt, they built a team that was designed to be an MVP vehicle. Sure. Like Because that's what you, you, you make your, your team bad in order to yeah. carry. Like, sure. you know, that's what that's kind of always what it's been, you know? And that's and... less less my argument with the MVP, <laughs> and it's more my argument against considering advanced stats the one and only thing. Because yeah. I've said this before, I feel like we look, we when, when it comes to MVP, people go to EPM, BPM, whatever right. stat you want, right. uh, and they see, well, Luca and Steph are at the top of those, so they're one and two for MVP, right? right. And it's like, well, 
they are doing, they have to do the most for their teams because their teams are shitty. And I do think that even though it is a regular season award, you have to take into consideration that, and, and, and this is where maybe the Embiid argument falls a little bit flat on its face, where Mm -hmm. you have to take into consideration that that team, in my opinion, has to have a chance to win a title that season. If you're going to consider the person, the most valuable player in the NBA. And if that is the case, then maybe the Embiid argument doesn't have a case against Jokic last year because Embiid's team flamed out in the playoffs. Part of it maybe it was he was injured. Part of it is maybe he's just not good enough. The team's not good enough. The other side of this is that if you are coming at it from Tatum's perspective, I am of the mindset that, and and maybe this is a little bit Doomer Sixers fan of me, but I am of the mindset that I think the Celtics are going to cakewalk in a way that is going to surprise a lot of people. I think that the Celtics are built to win in the playoffs. I think that they have the number one offense right now. They're missing their best, one of their most important defensive players in Rob Williams. Mm-hmm. And he also helps their offense too. Yeah. So if he's right. healthy and everyone has relative health for the Celtics, I think that we could see maybe not a cakewalk to the title, but I think mm-hmm. that they're going to have an easier time in the Eastern conference than people think, despite the Eastern conference being way better. And I think that if you are arguing on behalf of Tatum, and you're just arguing on that, that is your best argument, is that he's the best player on probably the team that will at least get to the finals, if not win the finals. Yeah. I mean, like, I've been saying the whole time that what doomed the Celtics, why the Celtics look bad against the Warriors is because they they went through the Bucks in the second round in rat mode. Like, and they're not going to have to do that this year, it looks like, knock on wood, you know. Like, if they end up seeing just the Bucks in the finals, you know, they're going to do it. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, the Warriors are not going to get to play the Grizzlies and the, you know, the nobody nuggets. But anyway, like, I guess my, my bigger point here about um, kind of MVP, because this is my first time going into the MVP um, thing, you know, psychosis. But yeah, the psychosis, you know, you guys, I, Sixers fans are well accustomed to this. And, you know, I, Two straight years. Yeah. And I am, I am fighting the calculator rat battle where we're, <laughs> This is like Stalingrad where I'm like, I'm stepping over your guys' corpses and picking up your weapons to carry on the fight in your, in your, um, in your place. I'm in charging. So, but the main difference is that Steph Curry is (coughs) bulletproof, like you said, because Steph Curry is already one of the 10 best players of all time. This is, this is one of the hardest things to do because, you know, Steph Curry (laughs) is, is, is one of the biggest, you know, and, and we're also up against, instead of a Denver media apparatus of nerds that nobody likes, we're up against, Warriors, Yimby. Yeah, Austin has Yimby no media Apple. influence at all. No, we don't. Well, everyone hates us, correctly so. So there's there's a pushback. You know, everyone's sick of hearing. Nobody wants good things to happen to Boston anywhere. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that, like this is like crying about uh, the, the Patriots doing bad. Nobody wants to hear that shit. Like, fuck But you. first, but right. first, Pearl Jam. My first, Pearl Jam. But I, I guess my, my thing is... I think the advanced stats are not the catch-all everybody thinks either too, because like the other thing with the advanced stats is it's like, there's a huge difference between having like uh, fucking Dante DiVincenzo coming in for you and fucking Malcolm Brogdon coming in for you. Like, you know, like, and that's, you know, the impact is always going to be bigger and there is so many like advanced stats and I get it because, because that's, I mean, this is this, I'm going into a more macro discussion about just the way we talk about basketball now is because when you're talking to someone and you disagree, nerds, STEM people, their immediate, immediate response is, I need to prove this with numbers. Sure. And that is what the analytics community has been trying to do, has been trying to solve 
basketball, which is inherently an organic game, which is why I love it so much. You know, it is not baseball. It is not, you know, which is full of set events that, you know, don't chain or link together. You know, a pitch happens and like four different outcomes happen and that's it. You know, like this is something that is living and breathing. You know, decisions are being made. Guys, how guys play together, how much guys trust each other, all that stuff matters. And it's very hard to quantify. And I do think the analyst community is getting better at it, you know, and that's, it's not to say it's, you know, a waste of time or anything like that, but it's also like, we've also got to remember how much junk there is. In the, in, well, in the, Daryl Morey you know. is the original calculator rat. And he says all front facing public metrics suck. Yeah. <laughs> he said like on the record, like, the, if you don't have your own data, you probably shouldn't even listen to it, basically. And you can right. explain your own data. Right. And I, I I believe in that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think I would there would be no reason to have that. And I think that that's But now we're also getting into the other thing of, you know, the calculator rat um, ecosystem where you also need to if you are a calculator rat and you want to get hired by a front office, you have to find something different. You know, sure. you, you have to create something different. And you know, that can lead to some like weird mutations and people pushing weird, you know, things that, you know, some might be good, some might be bad. But I just, I think in general, we need to be a little bit more skeptical of that stuff and trust a little bit more about, you know, but then uh, the other thing is if we don't have analytics and we don't have numbers, how do we talk about who's better, you know, and it's impossible. Like try to talk about without saying a number, try to talk about who's better, Steph Curry or Luka Doncic. It, it is tough. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I've tried to rely mm. more on eye test, but we're only human beings and we can't watch every single game of every single team in the NBA. And mm. sometimes you have to rely on things that you're not, which is why I like having guests like we had on with Trey, where like yeah. he can literally come on and be like, Hey, here's how it is with the team. Instead yeah. of, Oh, well, Andre Drummond's DEPM is really bad. And it's like, well, is he, is it really that? Or is it just like, maybe this metric doesn't mean mm. as much as we, we thought it did, but right. uh, your 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 argument is a bit more like what we had the first year Embiid was MVP when before Jokic came out of nowhere, it was him versus LeBron, right. and it was really tough to argue against LeBron because LeBron is the greatest player of all time, maybe, and Joel Embiid was still you know entering his prime and was the best player on the best team, but they weren't the best team by a wide margin. The team was pretty good around him. It wasn't obviously built for the playoffs, but in the regular season, it was pretty mm. decent. Even his on-off numbers were incredible. His analytics were incredible. All the same stuff that we were all we're, we're talking about right now. But I, I think that the, what this all comes back to for me is that it is borderline psychotic to have a MVP podcast in uh, not us, but mm. like Zach's podcast where Zach had. Mm. And even Bill Simmons made fun of him. He was like, you're being bristolized. Like yeah. having an MVP discussion in November for the top five MVP candidates after we've played, I think it was like 18 games at the time or something, not even a quarter of the season had passed. Uh, yeah. Let's see how things go because guys get injured. Guys regress. Let's see how we're, we're, we're looking at it by the time the trade deadline comes around. Cause that's really where, you can be like, okay, we have a larger sample. Yeah. We can see both teams' records. I I know you're getting all worked up about it, but I would be pretty surprised if Jason Tatum stays healthy. I think that he's probably going to end up in the driver's seat only due to the fact that like, and look, I'm the number one Steph guy. Like I've probably argued mm -hmm. for Steph 
as maybe even the best player in the NBA over the last yeah. few years, even over Giannis sometimes. And I, I, I think that if he keeps this up, it's going to be hard to deny how, because the, the turnovers are down. The shooting is incredible still. If, if, if they end up top four, he'll probably get it. Sure. Sure. Yeah, well, I think, he I think that's behind kind of, him. Yes. Yeah. But if you guys go on, so it's either, it's either going to go one of two ways. If he stays healthy and, mm. and continues on this insane streak, then yeah, maybe he'll win. But if you guys are the undeniable one seed and you win 65 games and Jason Tatum is very clearly the best player on that team, even though like they did win without him last night, I believe, or, or two nights ago. Two nights ago. Yeah, the yeah. game I went to. So sure. great. Yeah, good, it was good. A delightful. I, I, I was very excited. Uh, if I hadn't told the story on the pod, my sister um, got me a Christmas present, go ahead to a Celtics game. Um, very sweet. Very nice. Um, she said she got me a rivalry game ticket and I was so excited. I was like, okay, Miami Heat, Bucks, this is awesome. Thank you so much, sister. I love you. It was a Washington Wizards game because she remembers back in the day me going absolutely insane when Kelly Olynyk had the games <laughs> Let's and go. just tearing the horse out of the going, and I'm just like, I gotta get on. Like, She's a great sister. Wow, this yeah. is this is it. This is the game of the year that I show up and like Jason Tatum is playing. <laughs> no, no Kuzma either. We didn't even get the reenactment of the Kuzma, the Versus Lakers Tatum. inside. Do you remember the Lakers insider graphic with uh, Kuzma and uh, Tatum? Yeah, we didn't even get that uh, reaction, but it was a really fun game. They scored 70 points in the first half. Which was I was gonna say they, yeah. yeah, they 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 ran them off the fucking court. But, yeah. uh, but I still think that I I, I think it's probably going to come down to you know maybe someone comes out of nowhere a little bit yeah. maybe maybe the Mavs bounce back and Luca's in the conversation too but right. I I think that it's going to come down to those two and it really just comes down to how good the Warriors are like you said right. Steph has all the stuff on his side but it's also like you're just you're always one run away in the playoffs where like I know the Celtics got to the finals last year but because Tatum played so poorly if you guys win the finals next year it would be it would be shocking if if you win the finals this year and then next year Jason Tatum does not win MVP like that's just that's usually how these things kind of yeah. work where like we reward people maybe a little bit late even for mm -hmm. for their performance um, <coughs> yeah. but I don't know I think it, these things are going to be cost fine. LeBron it costs LeBron a championship the, 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 he should that that was why he lost that was it that no i guess i guess they hadn't lost to the mavericks yet but he did the mvp in 2011 when he lost yeah. to derrick rose yeah that was just a bit more like fatigue that was the miami right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i guess and that wasn't really a, a mavericks loss you know because sure. that would have been the other thing um did he win the next year no everyone hated lebron because he went to miami and did the right. decision that who, was why who he won the win. year after derrick rose was it lebron again 2011 2012 or oh, no yeah 2012 yeah uh no that was derek it was 2011 so 2012 mvp was lebron yeah so yeah, okay. he did he did win the, the year after having oops. that that oopsie whoopsie <laughs> in the, uh, against the maps but um well there really aren't those mvps anymore either like we can't even right. rank like they're like and 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 Derek, by the way, Derek Rose was an amazing player when he had that one year, but like yeah. he was not the best player in the NBA, and he wasn't even like it really. It really does seem like the league is just like insanely fucking talented here. Yeah. I can't remember guys like all last year. It was like Embiid, Jokic, Giannis. You know, there's sure. all of those guys are totally washed out, and there's just a totally new top three. When does that ever fucking happen? Like you know, it's, it is crazy the talent. 
um, in the league right now. By the way, you have um, like nine MVP level players right. in the NBA. There's a, guys like that who can just like win on on a, on a dime. Um, by the way, um, analytics are back. Um, Kevin at NBA Couchside just uh, posted his most recent stable uh, player impact metric. Oh, we love that one. Yeah, that, well, it's the best one. I've always said this because Jason Tatum is at the top of it. So that's the <laughs> only good. That's the only good analytic. Shout out to Couchside. That's the only one I endorse. Uh, yeah. So follow, shout out to Kevin, Bulls fan. You know, this is a Bulls podcast. Um, he's created the perfect metric. <laughs> what can I say? Unless he's got on it. top of it next week, in which case I'll destroy him. In, in which case we're gonna we're gonna have to. Uh, Shame's gonna have to do an investigation. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm going to I'm going to audit I'm going to audit the stable player <laughs> next week if it is if 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 Jason Tatum star <laughs> remain on top of it. But for now, it's the only good metric, the only ethical metric. Um, I've always loved it. Um, it's perfect. Well, and and I'm not I'm not even dissing this metric because um I know the person who made it and I the LeBron metric that everyone likes to make fun of because of the name of it but uh Caruso I believe his name is from Twitter or I'm mm-hmm. sorry oh it's K Naruso it's like K N A R S U I think mm-hmm. I can't remember his first name but long story short very good guy I mm-hmm. he did this analytic for LeBron and it actually showed in the playoffs that Joel Embiid, because his on-offs were so good, mm-hmm. that Joel Embiid was the most impactful uh, playoff player of the last 25 years other than LeBron James. And I was wow. like, holy shit. So I was using this all the time. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, have you seen this metric that says that Embiid... And then he had the injury playoffs this past year, and his it fucked up his, on, his amazing on-offs. And he dropped mm. like 50 spots. So I was like, all right, well, I can't, I can't use that anymore. <laughs> so it's really just about how I'm feeling on that day is what I'm trying to say. You know, like if, if the stat yeah. says he's good, then he's good. So yeah. All right. Exactly. Um, Anything else? So um, no, I, I just wanted to properly uh, credit. Uh, so Krishna Narsu, K-N-A-R-S-U. Uh, I was at, mashing his name together. Yeah. At K N A R S U three. So yes, Evil Index. Yes, so pl- yes. plugging him for his do great uh, LeBron work. metric. Unless, uh, and once unless you know Embiid stays at the bottom of it, in which case that will also be purged from our endorsements. Uh, it, actually, Sam was checking off the air there to see where Tatum versus Steph were. <laughs> well, Jonathan just said in chat, Jokic is still on top of the B ball reference MVP tracker. So now I, I have to. I have to lead a purge, a crusade against uh, <laughs> basketball reference headquarters. I will be doing a hostile takeover. I'm doing Elon Musk style. I'm going to sell all of my Tesla stock and I'm going to buy basketball reference and I'm going to fire all of them try and send them out. Tatum, loving Tatum is legal on Twitter again. It's very, it's very sad, folks. It is incredible because I was like, how is that possible? Jokic is, is averaging less points than he's averaged in like four years. And I looked it up and he's averaging 23 points. And that is true, which is the least that he's had since before his MVP season. Mm-hmm. But he is shooting 62% from the field. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty Same. incredible. It's kind of what you want when your two high volume scorer guys come back is for efficiency to go up while you yeah. uh, let's take a slight dip in points per game. Anyway, it's a fraudulent metric. Yeah, it's fraudulent. <laughs> yeah, Jokic. I'm just gonna start doing the Zach thing. He used to dismiss uh, Jokic, or I mean, uh, dismiss Giannis. Like, 
You can't win three in a year. Come like, on. Hey, if you win three in a row, here's the list of guys who have won three in a row. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> just Larry Bird, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I think, I think that was it. It was just Bird. I, I was it. I think there was like Russell, Will, and Bird. I think. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, makes yeah. sense. It was, it was, it was, I think, He's like the only like one post merger that's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right, that's a good place to end it. That was a mm-hmm. lot of fun.